The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Churchill said, those who fail to learn from history are condemned to repeat it. Kevin Hallinan believes that certainly applies to business. Welcome to Winning Business Radio here at W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. And now, your host, Kevin Hallinan. Welcome to Winning Business Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Hallinan. The mission of the show as regular listeners know, is to offer insights and advice to help people avoid the mistakes of others, to learn the best practices, how-tos, what-tos, what-not-tos, to be challenged, and certainly to be inspired by the successes of others. Every successful person I've ever talked to has had failures in their lives and careers. So while we all have to get our knees skinned once in a while, I'm driven to keep those scrapes from needing major surgery. So let's endeavor to learn from history so we don't repeat it. My guest today is Beth Masterman of Masterman Executive Coaching. Since May of 2011, Beth assists, challenges, and supports leaders and teams to enhance their performance, enjoyment, and ability to express their strengths at work. Beth's background in psychology, law, business, government, leadership, and grassroots organizing provides a strong foundation for for her coaching practice. She brings experience, creative analysis, care, and expertise to every coaching engagement. She holds a BA from Wesleyan University, cum laude, a JD from BU School of Law, a master's in psychology from BU School of Psychology, and a graduate certificate in executive coaching from William James College, formerly known as the Massachusetts School of Professional Psychology. When awarded the Walkley Prize for Excellence in Psychology for Best Work Embodying original research on her Wesleyan University honors thesis, she became aware that innovative thinking could always have a valued place in her work. To this day, her ability to see and consider the big picture from several perspectives is the landmark of her approach to challenges her clients bring to their sessions. When elected president of her graduating class at Wesleyan, she was given the honor of delivering the commencement address, standing before a thousand people, Beth experienced for the first time the responsibilities and thrill of big audience leadership. Presently, she serves on the board of directors of the International Coach Federation of New England, is an an associate member of the Zoning Board of Appeals in Lexington, Mass., and is a group leader for Provisors, New England region. Prior to establishing Masterman Executive Coaching, Beth was a senior-level public affairs consultant performing multiple advisory roles for business owners, senior executives, board committees, and elected officials. Her roles covered a broad range of leadership areas, including goal-setting, project management management and implementation, providing state, local, and executive lobbying, strategic communication services, political coalition building, drafting of legislation and testimony, public speaking, community organizing, and team building. She also worked in-house as a director of state relations for a premier solar power company in Massachusetts. She lives in, in Lexington with her children. She has three, excuse me, with her husband. She has three adult children, two adult stel- stepchildren, and two Yorkshire Terriers, all of whom she's very proud. That's a long one. Beth, welcome to Winning Business Radio. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm glad you're here. So, before we get started, I can talk. Before we get started, I'd like to ask about children. I know you're very proud of yours. What are their ages and uh, what is each one into? All right. Well, my oldest, 
She is 32. Mm-hmm. And she lives in California and works in at Netflix oh, in really? the in, in the international program development field. So she goes to different countries and finds local talent, local producers and puts together shows. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, her favorite hobby growing up was watching TV. And so little did I know she was doing her homework <laughs> all the time. <laughs> we don't want to encourage kids to make a career out of TV. No, I'm just kidding. Go well, ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pick your battles. That's right. My middle child, she is in New York, and she is 29. She'll be getting married in April, nice. and she uh, works in business. Mm-hmm. She does. Uh, she's developing the digital arm at uh, Walmart, actually, to compete with Amazon. Wow. And my son, who was an athlete and a and a sports agent, just switched over to wealth management. He moved to Chicago, and that's what he's doing now. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's talk about your background a bit. You currently live in Lexington, Mass., as we said in your bio. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. and Brookline, Massachusetts. Okay. And so why the interest in psychology? We're going to talk about that, how that has uh, has kind of permeated your work, but that that was your undergrad degree. I think it's very interesting. Why psychology, though? Well, I have to say that psychology found me. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really know the difference between what's possible until something grabs you and you just really get it. And so I had my first course in high school. I was very lucky because we had a PhD teacher who preferred teaching high school students. Mm. So that's where I got my first taste of it. And I just got it and I was just good at it and I liked getting good grades so I stuck with it <laughs> and that continued on to college and I just I just really loved it so did that education in psychology help you get your first position after college no it didn't. <laughs> so there's a story in that though well I ended up uh I sort of overstudied psychology at, mm-hmm. at the university I went to because there were no requirements. Mm-hmm. So I needed a break, and I worked on a political campaign for a year, and then I went to law school, figuring that when I finished law school, I'd go back to psychology. But mm-hmm. then suddenly I graduated and realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm a lawyer. How much longer can I spend money on education? i got to get a job. <laughs> so, uh, no, it didn't help me get my first job but it has certainly helped me in my current job. Well, which we'll talk about. Talk us about, take us through your career uh, progression, perhaps a little bit about each position that you've held. All right. Well, as I said, I uh, went to law school Mm -hmm. and I was after that an assistant district attorney, which was the most fun. And if I had to be a lawyer, I'd probably go back to that. Yeah. And then I did some private practice, but I found that with the exception of being an assistant district attorney, being a lawyer is a very uh, rigid type of job. Although you Mm -hmm. go in believing you can change the world, it happens one word at a time, one (laughs) document at a time, one case at a time, and it's cumulative, and that just wasn't my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So then there was a break because I had my children and I was home with them for a while. While I was home, I got my master's in psychology. And then when I went back to work, I went back to work in the state house in Massachusetts as general counsel for a state senator. 
Mm-hmm. And while there, we worked on restructuring the electric utilities in the 90s. When that was over, I went to a government re- government relations and public relations firm, and that's what you call public affairs. Mm-hmm. It's the combination between government relations, which is lobbying, and public relations, which is public, which is PR. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did for several years until I sort of hit a wall and didn't feel inspired anymore. And decided to look to see what else was out there that might inspire me. And I really never minded changing what I'm doing. I did it several times. I just try to follow what interests me. And Mm. then I went online. I thought, should I go back and get my PhD in psychology? That's sort of unfinished business. And then I thought, well, maybe not. And I came across executive coaching in my search. Mm. And I thought, this is a better, better solution for me because I can use everything that I've learned in my journey toward finding this field, which for me is just inspiring and fascinating, and I, I love it. So it, in retrospect, every one of those stops makes sense. Didn't make a whole lot of sense on the way, but now in retrospect, I use every one of those skills. Mm. I'm going to ask you about that, but I'm curious about the lobbying uh, that you did. Can you tell listeners what a lobbyist really does? Sure. A lobbyist is an advocate hired by a company to go into the the state house, the White House, whatever, to go into the legislative body on behalf Mm -hmm. of the client and educate. Unlike a lawyer you have a responsibility to the elected official to tell them both sides of the story because you never want to tell one side of the story and have them believe you and go out there and get poked in the eye when somebody says, ah, did you know X, Y, Z? So they really turn to trusted lobbyists for information and advice and education, and you really have to make things easy for the public official. Uh, So I wrote legislation I helped uh, get it passed. I helped my clients prepare for public uh, hearings. The reason lobbyists sometimes get a bad rap Mm. is that they will sometimes hold fundraisers or often hold fundraisers, inviting clients who are interested in getting FaceTime with the elected official. Mm -hmm. And the higher up you go in in that field of work, the more... And the more clout you have, the bigger the clients and the bigger the take for the public official who, you know, hate to believe that they need it, but they do. They need the money to play. And that's a whole other issue right. that Americans can, can debate. But right. that's really what it is. And if you are trusted or provide a whole lot of money, <laughs> you can be a very <laughs> successful lobbyist. I only did it on the state level. Right. So you began your coaching practice in 2011. You you started to touch on that, on this next question. When did you decide that you had a lot to offer as an executive coach and then to formally make that your career? When I discovered that there was such a thing, it just resonated with me mm. because a a coach's most important tool of the trade is to learn how to ask questions and help your client find their answers. When I was a prosecutor, 
that's what I did. You ask open-ended questions, and you try to get the witness to tell the story. Mm -hmm. But it's not adversarial in the coaching room. It's mm -hmm. an exploration that you take side by side with your client, and that's where the psychology comes in because we are able to follow the lead of the client to where it is they want to go, and I'm able to relate to them on a, you know, a much more supportive and an equal basis mm -hmm. as I continue to ask the questions. So I just knew it was it was just right for me once yeah. I understood what the demands of the of the job were of the role. So how does your law degree help you coach clients, if at all? What's the connection there? Mm -hmm. Well. As I said, uh, knowing how to ask questions and, and really understanding the value of a good question. Another thing is that when you're an attorney, you are trained to spot issues and then you research issues. And I am able to, to identify the issues that are challenging my clients. Is it, um, is it a challenge with accountability, listening and communication? Do they have a hard time having difficult conversations? Uh, how about giving and receiving feedback? Are they struggling with delegation? As I listen, I'm able to identify the issues that they are challenged with and go deeper into that. And then finally, sometimes when I'm listening to a client, there are certain legal issues that come up. For example, one time somebody said, Oh my gosh, I'm just so busy. I don't even know what my job is. And I mm. said, have you read your job description? Because if anybody else says that you don't know what your job is and you're not doing it, they're going to go back to your job description. So you just need to go read that and know the basics of what it is you're responsible for. So little things like that, listening and knowing... Mm how to get real and when to get real and how to reestablish the foundation and building blocks for a successful uh, life at work. Mm. How does one become an executive coach? I mean, that may be a big question. It, it would seem to me it's someone who's got maturity, it's someone who's had a lot of experience, but what's the process for actually becoming one? Two things. Very literally you go to a school and get a, an executive coaching certificate. Mm -hmm. That's how you become a certified executive coach. Other people will call themselves coaches, but there is such a thing as a certification. That's number one and very mm -hmm. just basic. Number two, among all the coaches I've met, whether they're executive coaches, life coaches, business coaches, and so on, in a way, you, they, everybody, all of us, kind of discover we've been doing that. We've been doing that for a long time. We just didn't know what to call it. Mm. And not, as a, again, I was a lawyer, I was a lobbyist, I was a number of things, but I was doing something the same in all of them. Once I learned about executive coaching and other people feel the same way, they go, oh, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> And they go and they get their certificate, and those who are able make a really nice uh, career out of it. Well, we'll come back to that. This is a good place right here. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be right back. 
You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. The YP.com website is your local search engine. If you're looking for a good restaurant, it can help you find the right one nearby with ratings and reviews. Or if your car breaks down, you can use the YP app to find the closest repair shop. Or maybe you're just looking for something to do on a Friday night. Well, it has great local coupons for all sorts of things in your area. No matter what, when, or where, if you're looking for something, YP Local Search can help you find it. So go to YP.com or download the app to search local, find local, and save local. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind, to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. We're back with Beth Masterman of Masterman Executive Coaching. Beth, we're talking talking about the process of you becoming an executive coach. And, and I've been called an executive coach, a business coach, et cetera, over the years. And while there's a coaching component to what we do, it's much more about skills development. Can you talk about the various types of coaches there are for, for business people and maybe what some of those differentiators may be? Sure. A business coach will help you with your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will look at what you're doing. Uh, they may say, okay, what software are you using? What are your objectives? How do your people use it? What's getting in the way when you try to implement a new system? What's mm-hmm. the process? How can you make that process better, smoother? So you're really looking at at measurable goals that are defined by your business processes. Mm-hmm. Okay. A life coach will talk about your life. It could be work-life balance. It could be, oh, I am, I'm at home and I want to go back into the workforce. It could be, oh, I don't know what I want to do with my life. It could be issues that we all have or have had, but you're focusing on a much more general question about quality of life. Mm-hmm. An executive coach will, and this is what I do, I take those questions and say, so how does that affect you at work? Mm -hmm. And that's about the extent to which we go into the depth on those personal questions. We just say, all right, we understand that everybody brings a lot of issues into the work day. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's going on and keep an eye open for whether that's getting in the way. But an executive coach works on executive function. You know, how are you managing your your presence at work? You, how organized are you? Your time, uh, your, your relationships with others. Are you aware of how your leadership impacts others? Uh, what you think about yourself. What's the gap between what you think about yourself and what others might think about mm. you? What do you know? What don't you know? 
issues about managing you at work, which is certainly you, but it's not 100% of you. And if you think it is, that's a good question to discuss in your coaching. <laughs> that's good. Uh, and then... There are nutrition coaches who look at how you manage your health, and there Mm -hmm. are sales coaches that Mm -hmm. focus in, you know, on how to present, how to close a deal. Mm -hmm. It's a lot more task-oriented. The thing I have found is that no matter what door you go through, a lot of the issues um, are the same because you're dealing with a human being who Mm. is struggling with some challenge to them. And the way what you do is try to find a solution with them that that's sustainable. But the client has to feel comfortable going through whatever door resonates with the client. Mm. So how would you differentiate, Beth, between a coach, a consultant, and a, and a therapist? Okay, that's, that's really good because some people say, oh, this is like therapy. <laughs> uh, so if you think of a line... On the one end, you have a therapist. Mm -hmm. On the other end, you have a consultant. The therapist looks to the past, follows the trail of tears. Every session doesn't have, I mean, the sessions don't have a beginning or an end other than the time. You can talk about anything. And as long as you show up and explore, there's there's no end, Mm. which is fine. That can help you through some tough times or just can be comforting. A consultant is an expert who comes into your life as a, as with the answers. You have a problem, consultant has the answers. Mm. You can think of a lawyer as a consultant type or uh, somebody who wants to get your business ready for sale. They're yeah. a consultant. And in many of these instances, consultants deal with extremely personal and challenging moments for people. And they need to be able to deal with that human part of it. But they basically have the answers. Mm-hmm. A coach works with the quote-unquote normal population. It's not therapy. It's for people who are working or people who are living their lives and are realizing that you can't use the same old solutions for the new problems. Mm. You are not the same person you were 10 years ago. You know, adults continue to develop. Right. And you have to let your mind go free to come up with solutions and approaches that are going to take you into the future and agility. So the coach deals with the present and the future. Therapist with the past, consultants with answers, coach with the present and the future. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? And what's in that gap? I think that's the first time someone has explained that to me with that clarity. I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Uh, So something very exciting happened to you recently. You're featured in a book, Taking the Leap, How to Build a World-Class Coaching Business by Kasia Wazowski. How was it that you were included in that? And can you summarize your message in the book? (laughs) Pretty cool. This this might be an interesting uh, thing for some of your listeners about uh, what to do when you're running your own business. Mm. So I don't have all the answers. I mean, I know I want to be successful, but I don't know every step to getting there. I think most of us don't. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to take some risks. And one day I got a request on an email that this person wants to talk with me. They're putting together a movie and a book and they're looking for coaches and particularly they wanted a few women coaches because they were they know for whatever their past they knew more men 
And some mm-hmm. of the famous coaches, uh, a lot of them are men. So I decided to listen a little closer. And I looked at the list of coaches, and I saw Jack Campbell, and I saw Marshall Goldsmith, and mm-hmm. I thought, hey, you know, if it's good enough for them, it's got to be good enough for me. For sure. Now, they're in the movie. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And the movie is called Taking a Leap. It's the first coaching movie. It's a little more dramatic. It's, it's more of a, a reality kind of movie where, where people are coached by these famous coaches and they go through lots of emotion. That's not right. really what our coaching is like, but it dramatizes it. Mm-hmm. Real life, but drama. So I said yes, and one day he called me. We, uh, I set up a home video feed, just like a Skype, and he asked me questions and I answered. So for a while, all of the recordings there were 24 coaches who were in it, mm-hmm. uh, were available for people that wanted to hear what we had to say. And then they took that recording and made it into a transcript, which I helped edit. Mm-hmm. And then it was made into a book. So I just have one chapter in the book. And it's about uh, how to be a leader in your coaching. And I, I talk generally about uh, leadership, recognizing the leader in yourself, mm-hmm. I believe anytime somebody asks you a question because they don't know something, something as simple as that, you are in a leadership position. And how you treat that person, if you practice being kind and take the time, if you practice that skill of trying to understand what they're asking and help, that ends up being who you are as these questions become more and more challenging. That, In other words, that you're practicing to become a leader all the time. That's basically the gist mm-hmm. and how I, and a lot of it is what we're talking about today, how I right. build my business, what my philosophy is. And it was just really kind of amazing. Uh, so I just rolled the dice and next thing I know, there I am in a book. Sounds good. I like it. All right. What does a typical, and this may be an unfair question, and so feel free to treat it as such, but what does a typical engagement look like for you? Well, the first thing that happens is the person calls to find out you know, whether I can help. Mm-hmm. And we discuss the general issues facing that person. Assuming they hire me, mm-hmm. what I usually do, what I offer is week one, a face-to-face Week two, an accountability call. Mm -hmm. Week three, face-to-face. Week four is off. But I also offer coach on call because change doesn't happen on schedule Mm -hmm. and anxiety doesn't happen on schedule. And what I really like is when a person, we're working on things and the person suddenly realizes, oh, this is one of those moments and we'll pick up the phone and say, hey, I just want to run something by you. So I'm available all the time. But each of those longer face-to-face sessions are an hour to 90 minutes, depending on the client's preference. And then the accountability call is just a quick check-in, like a 10, 15-minute check-in. And what happens is as we discuss the issues that are facing them, uh, again, I, I identify the issues. So I can give you a quick example if you'd like. Please, yes. All right. I was called by an individual who felt like he wanted a coach. When I got in there, 
because he was frustrated. He wasn't enjoying his work as much. He'd been in the same field for a while, but he was struggling at this particular job. And he was the director of an entire uh, an entire division. Mm-hmm. So I went in, and, and the issue was that he was out on the field with the president of the company who owns the company. It's about a, it was about a $20 million company. They wanted mm-hmm. to hit 30. And the president said to the client, pointed to my client and said, hey, he's going to be president of this company, said that to the customer, pointing to my client. Well, two and a half years later, when I came in, he's still waiting to become president. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. And we, so he was unhappy and frustrated. He asked for a coach. We explored the situation from his standpoint. He's, he believed him. He's waiting. Why not, right? Right. But he also doesn't like conflict. He's excellent at what he does. Uh, and so he kind of repressed the anger and mm. resentment. He started not liking work. He felt taken advantage of. So we decided that we try to see other ways in the meantime while we see what happens with that where he can find some gratification at work. So there were a couple of things he decided to do, and we worked on his communication skills. We worked on helping him have some difficult conversations. We worked on his presence. And then he went in and talked to the president very candidly about the situation, and then he became COO. Well, he was very happy about being COO. Woohoo! You yeah. know, he thought, yay, this is amazing. And then after a couple of months, he realized, you know, that was sort of the booby prize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he really did want to be president. He came to the realization, after all, that this president wasn't going anywhere. It's his company. Yeah. He's, he's very vital and robust. And he was actually just complimenting, probably, my client, who took him really, really seriously, which he should have. Sure. But then he realized he accepted that, he put it in perspective, and realized that he was sort of at a dead end. And so he happily found a different job somewhere that he's very relaxed at and has a lot of authority. And unfortunately, the company lost an excellent person. So one of them was happy, and the other one not so happy. But my first obligation is to my client. Mm. The, the company hired me. The company is the sponsor of the coaching. Mm-hmm. The coaching is confidential, and I am dedicated to helping that individual find solutions that are sustainable. We work too many years to not be happy, and right. that's what he chose to do. Uh, there are other clients that end up recommitting themselves and have a great time right where they are. Well, let's pause right there. We'll come back to some of those other examples momentarily, but we're going to take another break right here. You're listening to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan on W4CY Radio. That's W4CY.com. Don't go away. More helpful information is coming right up, right here on Winning Business Radio. Have you ever dreamt of being on the radio? Well, now is your chance. Be a radio show guest on the number one ranked internet radio station and promote you and your business for free. Yes, you heard it, free. Business advertising right here on W4CY.com. Call 561-506-4031 now to get booked on one of our shows. That's 561-506-4031. Get your free advertising now. The YP.com website is your local search engine. 
If you're looking for a good restaurant, it can help you find the right one nearby with ratings and reviews. Or if your car breaks down, you can use the YP app to find the closest repair shop. Or maybe you're just looking for something to do on a Friday night. Well, it has great local coupons for all sorts of things in your area. No matter what, when, or where, if you're looking for something, YP Local Search can help you find it. So go to yp.com or download the app to search local, find local, and save local. And now back to Winning Business Radio with Kevin Hallinan, presenting exciting topics and expert guests with one goal in mind to help you succeed in business. Here once again is Kevin Hallinan. I'm back with Beth Masterman of Masterman Executive Coaching. Uh, Beth, you were giving example uh, an example of a specific engagement. Um, I'm going to get to some others in a moment, but you've had clients in a lot of different industries, and you could have had and could have clients in almost any industry. Am I right? Correct. Yeah, it, that doesn't matter so much. So we'll get specific again in a moment, but generally speaking, why do clients hire you? Clients who hire an executive coach are uh, people that are more likely to continue to grow and, uh, and learn. Mm-hmm. You have to be confident and self-aware enough to look at yourself and say, something isn't working. It doesn't mean I'm a loser. Mm. It doesn't mean something's wrong with me. It just means it's an opportunity to push the edge, my edge. And if you know that as we develop as adults, we will always have new edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly will have big repertoires to do the same thing over and over again if that's what you choose. But if you feel a little uncomfortable and you know there's something beyond that, those are the people who want a coach. Mm. It usually in a company starts at the top. When the leader of a company uh, understands the value of coaching, which today, for example, you can invest in the in the in your talent. You can invest in the development of your talent and mm. the enjoyment at work of your talent, or you can spend money replacing people that you've trained. So it's going to it's going to cost money, but it's a lot less aggravating to invest in people that you believe have potential and have shown it to keep them interested and keep them growing. So that's who hires a coach. Mm. And is it typically the company? Is it typically an, uh, uh, the, uh, an individual or how does that work? For an executive coach, typically and ideally, it's the company mm-hmm. that hires the coach to work with a highly valued employee. Mm. That said, that highly valued employee can be the president and owner of the business. Mm-hmm. And I have had small businesses where I am hired by the owner of the business to deal with issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm hired by a larger company to work with a high valued employee, then it's a relationship that's a triangle. And the sponsor is the company, and they're mm-hmm. allowed to ask me, how is he or she doing? That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. The client, it's a confidential conversation, and anything that is said, any assessments, anything written, everything belongs to the client. Mm -hmm. And it's up to the client to share whatever he or she wants to share. Interesting. Um, 
like in my business, it's probably hard to describe your ideal client, but could you provide a couple of more examples of, you know, obviously leave names and companies out of it, but people that you've been able to work with, what their specific challenges were, and really what you've helped them achieve? Well, those are two different questions. Mm -hmm. An ideal client would be one for an executive coach where you're brought into a company and you work with the leader and then you are asked to work with others as well. So my longest term client, uh, I've been with them for about six, seven years now. Mm -hmm. It's a university and I was brought in to work in one of the departments. And ever since then, I've been called to work in several others. So I've probably worked in, uh, I don't know, six, seven different departments in that same university. <clears throat> so that's really great because then you get to know the organization and the people and the issues that people in the same company are facing, the, the interpersonal issues, the culture issues. So sometimes this is team-based? Yes, I do work with teams too. Mm. The way I work with teams is typically through the leader because mm -hmm. in order to have a good team, you have to have a good leader. Right. Even if that leader is a collaborative leader who likes to think that everybody is equal, which in some respects they are, you have to have somebody steering the ship and aware that they're, they're choosing a particular style of leadership. Mm. So yes, I do work with teams. Um, all right, so you want to know about some of the others. I can just do yeah. sort of a rapid-fire description. So Perfect. I'm working with a partner of a real estate development company who is a, raises funds, numbers you can't believe. And uh, she's just, um, she was struggling because she was getting a little short-tempered. <laughs> huh. And uh, there was some turnover in people that were reporting to her. And so the uh, head of the company asked if I would uh, work with her. She also wanted a coach to find out what was going on. And it was, it was great. We had a couple of huge insights. And she began to see what she was like and um, changed her approach. In other words, was able to see that she has to be a certain way at work. And it's not all about her moods. It's about mm. the impact on the organization when she's in a position of leadership. Uh, another was um, I was privately hired by an attorney. And this happened twice. Two attorneys privately hired me. One was uh, concerned that he was going to be asked to leave the law firm based on hours and didn't want to be in that position. He wanted, mm. you know, you can't fire me, I quit kind of thing. Right. And right. so we worked for a year um, helping him decide how he could reapply himself in that firm, which was an excellent firm, and again, he was a partner, so that he could get more business and bill more hours or find another place that he, was better suited to his style. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold... We did it. We did it. The month that he had his review, he, had, he was offered a, a partnership at another firm, and he chose to take it because in the course of our coaching, he realized that he really wants a team around him. He really wants a busy office with people down the hall mm. who he can talk with and share some work with. And the other one he was at was a much larger firm, and people 
really weren't connected. Mm. So it's a it's a journey of finding out what you value and honoring it too. That's a really good example. Uh, let me mention this. I read the following about you. Oh. Beth, uh, ready? <laughs> Beth specializes in the complexity of leadership and how people navigate human and organizational challenges day to day or when stakes and emotions run high around big challenges. So I've heard a little bit of that. Tell us what you mean. First, apply, uh, excuse me, define the term leadership as you apply it. All right. I'm going to go at that from the point of view of how I see each of my clients, because Good. I do not have a definition of leadership, mm-hmm. because leadership is as, is as different as every leader. And as you know, or I think may have seen that as social people, social animals, mm-hmm. uh, there are leaders in business and there are leaders socially. People seek out leaders. Mm-hmm. It can be based on knowledge. It could be based on charisma. It could be based on fear. It could be based on any number of things. Who is inspired to trust you and follow you? Mm-hmm. Or who were you told to have authority over? So what I do is I try to understand what is the role and responsibility of my client relative to the people that he or she is working with. And what does that responsibility feel like to him or her? And what are the struggles? Does he or she struggle with giving reviews? Does he or she struggle in running a meeting? Um, Does he or she struggle dealing with the person, you know, managing up? So leadership is really about the individual's feeling of how they can do the best job, Mm. their role and responsibility in that organization. Okay. And you answered the next question. I was going to ask about the complexity of leadership. Nice job. Can you give examples of human and organizational challenges? Well, I can let you know what I have found to be the most common issues uh, across clients and which are the ones that I offer when I Um, and discuss when I submit a proposal Mm -hmm. based on the conversations I have. So um, setting ground rules for relationships. Uh, Can you, what is it like when you interrupt each other at a meeting? Is that something that's good? Is that something that's bad? Uh, What happens when you're having a conversation with somebody and they get very, very emotional? If that happens in our coaching room, what do you want to do? You want to take a break? You want to work through it? uh, You want to reschedule? So there are a lot of things we assume about how people are with one another that can get us into trouble. So we we sort of tease that apart at the beginning so that we know what to expect from one another. And then goal setting. What's the goal? How do you set a goal that you can actually reach? And how do you know when you've reached it? Mm. I do assessments. I do Myers-Briggs and DISC mostly. I also do 360 assessments. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I love doing any one of those, um, 360 is a little bit different because it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's tough for the people who are getting assessed. But I usually give um, a Myers-Briggs, MBTI, or a DISC to every client so that we have a common set of facts to look at um, that describe who the, how they approach challenges and people. Listening, communication, values, emotions, how they're contagious, personal resilience, how you deal with, how you bounce back, 
so that you can continue forward without being triggered all day. Mm. Delegation, how you run teams, difficult conversations, giving and receiving feedback. How do you set people up to actually hear what you're saying? And how do you receive feedback when it's good or it's not good? Right. Uh, and then new leadership, onboarding. What are the challenges? So those are the ones that tend to time management sometimes, mm. prioritization. Those are the ones that I find pop up most mm-hmm. uh, in one form or another across my engagements. You have a program which you call Shift Your Focus, Shift Your World. Can you tell us about that? Well, all of those those uh, issues that I just mm. mentioned uh, really do those things. Mm-hmm. So, for example, let me talk about an assessment. The Myers-Briggs, everyone's heard of being an extrovert or an introvert. It is right. so much a part of our culture and understanding about how people are that we just use it like, you know, you use a lot of words that have come into common parlance. Mm. But there are three other dichotomies that you don't know about as much. And when you think about an extrovert, it's a person who engages with people a lot, gets energy from being around people, Mm -hmm. thinks while they speak, um, wants to always communicate so that if somebody doesn't, they'll think, oh, what did I do wrong? It's never, it's not really about that person. It's always judging themselves based upon what's coming toward them from the outside. Mm-hmm. If you have a long day and you're, a, you're an extrovert, you're more likely to say, hey, let's go down to the pub and, and just relax together after a long day. On the other hand, the introvert can be very gregarious and work with people and have a great personality, but they tend to look inward. Mm-hmm. They tend to, at the end of the day, just say, I've had enough, I'm going home, I need to relax, I need some space. Uh, they tend not to judge themselves by what's on the outside, but by what they're hearing from the inside. Mm. So I, I say that because even extrovert and introvert are more complex than people might think. Think. But what we find is when I give in Myers-Briggs and we see what degree of introversion or extroversion the person is, then we can start looking at what's going on at work. What do you think happens when a highly extroverted person goes barging into a highly introverted person's room just because they're feeling really friendly? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really uncomfortable for the introverted person. And so when you have this model, you can start thinking about the people who you're working with and realize that you can adjust to bring out the best in the people around you. So change your focus, change like your it. world. Just reframe what you have assumed or what you think you know every day. You don't have to change who you are. But if you look at it a little differently, then your repertoire expands and you can choose how to be. That's really good. Hey, I've got one last question for you. It's kind of a big question. Uh Uh-oh. What's been your proudest moment as a coach? You've probably had a lot of successes with with people, but, you know, how would you you answer that question? Well, I'm always proud when a client reaches what they, has a Mm. breakthrough. So Mm -hmm. it's really, it's hard to pick one. Uh, Another a proud moment of being a coach is when I actually became a coach. <laughs> yes, that's good. 
But most recently, I decided to um, run for a board seat on the International Coach Federation of New England. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very proud to get that. The fact that I ran unopposed is a minor, minor detail. I still, <laughs> I'm still no on the board. No one would dare. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well, <laughs> I'm still unopposed. Uh, I mean, I'm still on the board. Yeah. And I am really proud of that because it is a fantastic organization dedicated to coaches who are really working on delivering what is different about coaching. There's just, there's an, there are ethics to be followed. There are there's a basic structure of a coaching conversation and I have met some outstanding coaches and it's really a privilege for me to be on that board and think of myself as having achieved enough since I started my business to be part of that. So I'm really proud of that, but I can't tell you which, which outcome of a client is I'm prouder of than another mm. because I really care a lot about the right. people that I work with. No, good answer. Good answer. Well, that is our show for today. Beth, thank you so much for being here. Uh, your parting shot is, how can people reach out to you? You can reach out to me at mastermancoaching.com. If you put Beth in front of that, I'm Beth at mastermancoaching.com. <clears throat> and I'd really be delighted to speak to anybody who is interested in exploring coaching. Thank you so much, Kevin. I just, again, I really appreciate that you invited me to your show. You're an amazing host. Thank you very much. Those are kind words. So, folks, this is a show about business and business challenges. If you've got concerns about the growth of your company, feel free to reach out to me, Kevin, at winningbusinessradio.com. Our company, Winning Incorporated, develops sales teams into high achievers and sales leaders into true coaches and mentors. Thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to be back at it next Monday, November 26th. Thank you to the epitome of engineers, Chad Murphy. Until next week, this is Kevin Hallinan. You've been listening to Winning Business Radio with your host, Kevin Hallinan. If you missed any part of this episode, the podcast is available on Talk 4 Podcasting and iHeartRadio. For more information and questions, go to winningbusinessradio.com or check us out on social media. Tune in again next week and every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen live to Winning Business Radio on W4CY Radio, W4CY.com. Until then, let's succeed where others have failed and win in business with Kevin Hallinan and Winning Business Radio.